uh, have you on. I want to know how, how have you found your experience playing ladies Gaelic football to date? How have you found that experience? Yeah, yeah, really enjoyable experience. I suppose the probably the take home for me out of the I suppose the last few years playing was definitely just kind of I suppose the friendships at Brinsley and even when you go to college, if you play college football or through school or whatever, you know, you always end up meeting someone that you might have played with along the along the years. So um it's definitely been a wonderful experience. And I think as you can see, like even the the media around ladies football especially in the last few years has been fantastic and it's it's good to see it's going in the right direction it's there's definitely a long way to go and but I definitely even think the younger girls coming up I suppose they don't have to experience some of the things that we might have had to experience and I think it's just good that they kind of keep fighting on for I suppose equality in that kind of sense so um but I have to say look it's still still a really enjoyable experience playing ladies football Absolutely. And what uh, what exactly sparked your interest in playing ladies football at such a, a very young age? Did you always have a love for the beautiful game or was there, you know, other sports that you always had an interest in first before playing ladies football? Um, yeah, I suppose um, I suppose a wee kind of rural Ireland country girl that Gaelic football was kind of the only thing you kind of played in your local schools and stuff like that. And if you, I suppose at the time we were growing up, there was no no big emphasis on makeup or anything like that. It was kind of like if you if you played football, you were cool. And if you didn't, you know, you were trying to like. So um, it was probably the only sport that I had kind of mainly been involved in. You know, we had tried school and uh, netball, sorry, in, in school and stuff like that. But uh, where, I, where I live, the, you know, it would probably be the biggest focus. And I think I uh, started playing from, I think, under eights, our club. And thankfully, like I have a, a very good club at uh, Knowledge GA and that where we were very successful at underage. And I think that probably did help in Britain as well. And, you know, we won, I think, the Fela in 2007. And we were, I don't think I'd lost the game until I'd went to senior ladies football. So um, it was definitely something that I suppose kind of just I really enjoyed and kind of all my friends were playing. So I wanted to play. So um, I just kind of did always kind of love, love Gaelic. Absolutely, and I think that's where it all starts. Uh, you know, uh, the, the club. Did you when obviously when you progressed through the years from underage up to up to senior? Did you find you know, you know the big uh, big difference in that in terms of you know the experience because that it, that it is kind of difference, and we kind of you know speak around you know the physical demands of the games because you'd be playing so many different, you know, different age groups, different categories as well, not only as well but clubbing into county, and obviously you want to do because any aspiring football wants to play the game, but also you want to, you know, please your your manager as well and obviously the, the physical demands as well that can be very straining like you could be very tired coming off from games like you could like most players could have maybe two or three games you know in a week at, at, at different age groups and it, and it is yeah. that that strain did you ever kind of consider of you know of focusing on maybe on one particular age group at that time or were you just one of those players that just wanted to keep playing I think it probably was more one of those players that wanted to kind of keep playing and I suppose, thankfully, you know, our managers weren't, you know, overly uh, pressurising and that, you know, they were happy enough to know you were training. But, like, funny you say that, I think we were talking about the other day that me and my friend, I think, started or went to our first senior ladies game for club at our last year at under-14s, you know, which in some places wouldn't now, you know, you're only meant to be playing, I suppose, your two age groups, um, which I suppose I think it is good and kind of, 
stops, I suppose, the likes of Burnout and all very young and I suppose children getting sick of it because they're literally, I don't know, forced to feel into playing at most nights of the week. Like, but definitely when I was growing up, I just really, really enjoyed it. Like, loved the idea of playing it. And I suppose that kind of, like you said, when you, you step up to seniors and you see that it's that wee bit harder that, yeah, I suppose I took that in a good way and that I kind of wanted to, to get better at it and wanted to to be confident when I was playing seniors because I definitely when I started was very nervous and was one of them kids that um if I dropped the ball at all you know my head would go down like but it's definitely a learning curve and it's I suppose good to kind of get out of that comfort zone and play against girls that are better than you to kind of bring you on like so it was even brilliant like the blitzes you know playing loads of different counties like even from on the 14 county up until mine you're, you know there was always blitzes and even when things like that are just great to kind of bring you on and I just anything with football whenever I was growing up Absolutely and before we you made your debut with uh, the Fermanagh uh, Senior Ladies in 2011 uh, were you playing underage at the time with uh, uh, Fermanagh? Uh, yeah I was I think it was my last year on the 16s and I was still playing minors as well and Thankfully, as in there was a good agreement even at that time between the minors, you know, we might have trained once with the seniors and once with the minors, you know, to, I suppose, please everybody, um, which was good. And there's, I suppose you need that. You need your managers. And I think that's probably the most difficult thing about nowadays, you know, with players playing maybe soccer and basketball and all different things that it's, I suppose, the managers mightn't have as big understanding because you're not playing their sport. Like, whereas at least, you know, with minors and under 16s, they knew you were still getting practice in. So, um, I definitely am kind of glad I didn't have to deal with that side of things, but um, no, it was it was it was brilliant kind of growing up that it was it wasn't too bad in that sense. Absolutely, and you kind of and you kind of don't mention what the what what the managers want. What do you what does a player? What do you look for in a manager? Like in terms of you know training sessions, you know the approach. What kind of key attributes do you look for or a player looks for in in a manager? I would probably say a big thing I know it's kind of in the name but like managing people like you know having that kind of understanding that you know one player might need shouted at to kind of get them riled up and get them ready for the game or you know give them that kick up the hole that they needed to kind of keep pushing on but then there's other players you know that don't take criticism too well and that actually you know demotivates them and it might actually make their performance worse you know so it's that kind of understanding that everybody there's not just a like a um a one person approach for everybody like so it's that kind of I suppose getting that bond and I also think if somebody kind of values the culture of the team a lot you know they're kind of they kind of speak highly of what they they want and I suppose demands respect about that and you know it's about it doesn't matter who you are you know if you're not willing to put it in for the team you know you'll not be playing that kind of way so I, I enjoy kind of, and I suppose I respect a lot of managers that are able to kind of, you know, and it is hard, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of teams that you come across, a lot of players you come across, and usually, look, everybody wants to win at the end of the day, but you want to kind of know you did it the right way, and like if people aren't pulling the weight, like it shouldn't matter who you are or anything like that. Like you, you should be able to, I suppose, kind of stand your ground and kind of be like, no, well, those players are and will win it the right way if we have to like so uh, I think that's definitely something I look for in a manager Absolutely and how did you manage to balance your time management at the time obviously playing uh, obviously playing club playing into county with Fermanagh you were probably in school at the time probably thinking about uh, college and what to do so how were you able to balance that time management between between juggling the two 
Mm-hmm. Um, no, definitely. I think I think the one thing, even I would say the young ones now, is kind of like obviously prioritize your work, but you know, do leave yourself some time to go to football. You know, you kind of see a lot of kids now they giving up the football or giving up kind of all sport to to revise and do stuff like that. But I also I found, especially when I was growing up, I nearly because I knew I had training in the evening it would make me sit down and do my work whereas if I didn't have training you know I'd put it off for maybe another hour or procrastinate some way maybe scrolling on my phone or whatever it is but I think it kind of gives you that wee bit of structure that you know right I have to have my work done before I go to training and then when you're at training it kind of clears your head like I know sometimes you feel like god I don't have time to do this or you know I shouldn't be doing this but when you go you clear your head and you come back and you're a lot more refocused and ready to kind of sit down and get back into the books again so um I definitely think it was something that kind of I suppose actually helped me in school like and don't get me wrong there was days that you know you felt like it was a bit too much at times like but it kind of I suppose builds them kind of organization skills and kind of resilience skills to kind of keep keep plowing on and keep getting it done like so um but no it definitely worked for me and I'm like it's just suppose time management maybe is the best way to do it absolutely and you kind of mentioned today a key a key physical part about it as which we've seen before and which we which we've seen a lot now is you know the look about how we able to control player retention because obviously players you know might go away from the game for obvious reasons you know exams works mm-hmm. and, and it's hard to find that balance to get players you know in, you know back and sometimes there could be different reasons conflict with the coach you know not yeah not playing game times and 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 obviously we can see it and we can see it, you know different coaches have different tactics you can see you know you know coaches would would go out at all needs to you know, to, at all costs to win the games and and everything mm-hmm. and and that and that they seem to devalue different players more than probably you know players uh, who wouldn't be as uh, strong uh, as strong as so, but, but are making the growth because I saw was it under in your fitness space the growth between the growth of a player and the and the physical you know you know minds the mindset of the players and how you can deal you know deal with, yeah and how you can deal the criticism as well. Yeah, 100%. Like, I think you see a lot of, you know, teams that maybe on paper, you know, they've an unbelievable team, but when they play together, they kind of don't play together, you know, they play more as individuals. And I think you kind of see the mindset and attitude, I suppose, the kind of ego taking over of them players that they can't kind of, I suppose, put their team ahead of themselves and they're, I think like you do see it and look it happens the best but sometimes it's like yeah, you're not controlling your emotions and if you think you know if you're kind of ha- constantly have that attitude where managers are kind of or you kind of think you know better than the manager and you're like well I'm going to do my own thing you know and you just see how it just kind of conflicts within the team so it's very hard I suppose to balance everybody within a squad and I suppose like you said you see you you want as many players and you see like now when I even talk about that feel of thing that we won you know it's very you know you can probably count in one hand the amount of girls that are actually still playing football which is unfortunate to say so it's just kind of about like I suppose keeping as many people into it as possible because especially when you're growing up people develop at different ages you know like you always have them tall kids that under 14s that kind of lord it you know that sometimes are the next best thing that don't really amount to anything because the person that is graft and kind of that is that wee bit smaller kind of comes up because the they know what it takes to work for it and I think that sometimes whenever somebody is very talented or you know comes up against someone that maybe is the same of the same talent or same caliber of them and they're kind of like oh god I'm not the best in the team anymore and that's kind of when 
attitude and their mindset kind of showing us through they kind of are they willing to kind of sit down and put in the work and kind of understand that you know there's always going to be someone that's maybe better than you and there's always going to be someone that's worse than you but you know you still have to just do or you know try your best to kind of reach your potential you know and don't kind of let anybody kind of set the limits for what potential that is you know it's it's honestly it's all up to you whether how much or how hard you want to work on that like so um I think that's kind of it's it's sad that you kind of see a lot of young ones kind of giving up before I suppose they even hit that time of development and you know if they had to stick it out another while and I'd say even if you talk to a lot of say girls and I know a lot of my friends that are older now you know always say you know they always regret regret quitting like so it's definitely something I think you just do in a whim when you're younger and you kind of don't think it'll be you know make that much of a difference but then you know years pass and you kind of realize god you know I haven't played and then you go back and it's not as what you remembered you know so it is just something to kind of keep yourself kind of keep yourself ticking over and there is going to be years you're not going to enjoy it like what you do like uh, you do reap the rewards then when you're like kind of I suppose part of that community and part of that team the whole time like so it's definitely something I, I'm glad now, thankfully, I haven't had to experience it like. Absolutely, and I think that's what, when we, when we see that players that are very, uh, very skillful and they, and they have great, they have great coverage and you may think that they could cover every blade of grass, especially at a young age going up. And when you see that developer going up, and you, you might be at a match. I remember when I've been coaching teams, I remember we such a, we still have such a very talented player and she could cover every acre blade of grass or everything she, she could run the length of the field left right and center but as she goes up and, you, and we were watching her at one match and I think it was one player was actually stuck to her the entire game getting blocked and getting tackled yeah. there and you just standing there watching okay what's happening there but then it kind of realizes it would that be a benefit to the player that when when you you go up and you see stuff like that that can be a benefit to the player that that hold, hold on I'm not okay I can't be reliant on myself to win the game that that maybe it's a way that it's benefiting the, the team. It's not like no player should ever become bigger than the club. Yeah. Like it's all, it's all, you're all together. It's all uh, a collective. It's all uh, a committed effort. Every person and that team has their, has their, has their own role. Like, like we know when yeah. the, this is the moment to attack. This is the moment to score. This is the moment we need to, you know, to block. This is the moment we need to, 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 to defend as well. Yeah, oh god, yeah, definitely. I think I think it was Gaelic football teaches a lot of kind of life lessons in that sense. Like, but it's definitely and it, it's hard to accept for some people that it, you know, it is your ego, it's your kind of your pride, you're kinda thinking like you enjoy that kind of sense of you're the best that you know on your team or whatever it may be. And like you said, whenever they come up against somebody that is kind of a wee bit more physically fit or maybe you're kind of like god you know i haven't had competition like that that it can you know throw them either way and it can put their head down and it's just like well fact this you know i don't want to excuse me but you know i don't want to have to work for this but i think it is a kind of you can either take it to it you know you can be kind of humbled by it and kind of be like right actually you know what i need my teammates and if it is a matter of you're still at the end of the score but I might need to pass this get it back and still score you know to give yourself that ability to be free like but I think we and I have to say Fermanna ladies were very good and kind of a big emphasis on the culture and on that you know no matter if you're I don't know number 35 on the jerseys or no matter if you're one of the main players like you have a role and if, if that role is 
going and wishing the girls good luck before they're going out or supporting girls on the sideline? Or is that role that maybe you're one of the best players and you're actually taking maybe two or three defenders with you just to free up space so, so your other teammates can go through and score? You know, it's kind of about them all we like unselfish kind of things that you do just to win or just for the benefit of the team. You know, it's not a matter of like, God, you know, I have to get on the scoreboard or God, even, you know, you see nowadays people kind of getting obsessed with like GPSs and things like that. You know, I have to cover a certain amount of distance, like silly things instead of kind of thinking, right, how can I benefit the team here to the best of my ability? Like, and if that is passing the ball when you really feel like, oh, maybe I could have took it on there, you know, it's never gonna it's never gonna be a disadvantage to the team to include more players in the game. Like so um I think that's definitely something that we've definitely been even trying to work on more so. But um it's a brilliant thing within Vanna Ladies and I have to say it's it's nice to kinda be a part of. Absolutely. So I think we're going to move on there because especially at that age, as you moved on in your career up to age 18, 19, you're, you're finished, your secondary school, you're finished, you're leaving, so you're looking to do. You went to Queen's University and you studied mechanical engine, in engineering before you decided to to go to personal fitness. But what, 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 what was it about mechanical engineering at the time that sparked your interest to do mechanical engineering or was it just one of those that you were kind of insulting and you tried this out um yeah I suppose I think even looking back like you're so young going into I suppose even the likes we have A levels up here you know you have to pick your A levels to reflect maybe what you're going to be doing the rest of your life you know so I think I I'd always kind of thought I wanted to be a physiotherapy to be honest so I did biology maths and PE and did physics and dropped it after AS but um I always kind of loved maths and loved kind of, I suppose with biology, it's kind of, you know, how things work and, you know, why does such and such do that? Or, you know, it's just really, I always find it really interesting. So um, whenever I kind of had kind of bad experience with work experience in physiotherapy. Um, so I, I changed my mind and kind of wanted, I suppose engineering is very broad. It can kind of bring you anywhere. You know, there is a lot of opportunities with it and enjoyed maths. So that kind of brought me kind of, I suppose more to the mechanical side and then like again like even if my father was out fixing a car or something like that like I'd kind of be curious to kind of how it worked now I would know how to fix it like but I'd still be kind of like Jesus it's good to know how that does function like so it did bring me into mechanical engineering which I did like I enjoyed and I think um, it was definitely something I found interesting and obviously challenging like it was like a five-year course like with a year placement but um and I suppose even seeing the opportunities you know even funny when I was in Australia like if you were to work in it out there you know you'd have like loads of opportunities so it can, it can like bring you anywhere in the world um but I suppose I I think um I would very be much so thinking that you know why not can I go to work and really enjoy it where when I was working when I graduated I suppose I wasn't overly passionate about it and you know my co-workers were coming in the next day and being like I was thinking about that last night and I was thinking god you know I hadn't I hadn't thought about work at all when I left here you know I was thinking as soon as I left that's it and then um I was coming back into work and just doing it all over again whereas more I was more motivated and more uh, driven and kind of better myself for football and kind of look at more you know I suppose like 
kind of like personal training myself, like looking at different strength and conditioning things that I could be doing. And I kind of educated myself on that and kind of did my old programs because we didn't really get gym programs with Fermanagh. Like it was just kind of off our own bat to do it. So I was kind of tearing away at that at the side. And then I suppose I got the opportunity to go out to Australia. And I suppose that was my my opportunity to try something new and I decided when I came home just to to give personal training a, tr- a crack really yeah so I'm thankfully really enjoying it so far. Absolutely and you kind of mentioned the Queen's you played with the, the Queen's University team you captained them to obviously to win the O'Connor Shield but you're also playing with players who are under Dublin ladies players from all around the country how much of an experience were you able to take away uh, from from that? Oh god yeah loads like some of the some of the players were and like I said, some of the best players you had played with, you know, even so far in my career, like, but um, it's just fantastic what you can learn from everybody, you know, their commitment, their determination, even their confidence, you know, it's a big thing, you know, you know, if you give someone the ball, you have confidence in their ability that, you know, it's not like some players where you kind of be cautious and they kind of like, well, we have to go over and help them now, but um they're just their level of skill and decision making especially I think they're just so used to kind of handling that extra pressure and uh, to be honest it, it was really good to experience and it was just nice to kind of I suppose make even lifelong friends out of it as well like so it was great. God, absolutely in 2011 you made your official debut for the Fermanagh Senior Ladies Football how much of an experience of that was and also a thrill to not only to put on the Fermanagh jersey but if you look at players that have played with Fermanagh in the past probably players you've looked up to players you revered who had great an entourage of such around supporters that you were following in their foot in their footsteps and not every not, not every person would get We'll, 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 we'll get that opportunity to, you know, to represent the, 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 the county at senior level. So how much of an experience was that to, to, to rep on that first day when you actually made your debut? Yeah, yeah definitely. I, I just remember being, you know, extremely nervous now when I look back. And like you said, when you're in the room with a lot of girls that you probably would have looked up to growing up, like, and I suppose, like, it was scary, I'm not going to lie, and I suppose, I think even that debut, you know, maybe I might have got even, like, 10 minutes of even, like, but it was still, like, a massive, a massive deal to me to even get on that game, and um, I suppose in my head, I kind of just, you know, didn't want to mess it up, you were just kind of like, I just have to go and do the simple things right, like, um, but yeah, thankfully, like, Jesus, like, like you said, it's, it's a massive honour, and, and maybe... I'm kind of glad I didn't think of it so much about how much emphasis it was and that not many people can say they've, they've pulled on the jersey. But um, I wasn't trying to put too much pressure on myself, but I think it's just, you know, that that age you're kind of going out. I think it was only 16 and then you're just kind of um, just happy to get any game time at all. But yeah, no, it was definitely a massive honour. Like, and I was glad that I got the privilege to do it. Absolutely. But then you also had, you know, obviously you, you lost an intermediate final, was it... Uh, uh, to Derry before you kind of took a team out then in 2017 in the junior yeah. final after a replay yeah. against Derry you actually scored that the winning goal to to bring the feminine ladies up to intermediate so how yeah. much of an experience that was not only uh, getting the, uh, the winning goal but I think not only but playing in front of fans and you know supporters yeah. how much of an experience is that I think yeah, I think as that was the year we yeah we we drew and the replay was in Clonus. So obviously anyone know like Clonus is quite close to Fermanagh. So there was a, a massive support. I don't think Clonus kind of figured that there was going to be you know some of the crowd missed. I think the first ten minutes because 
Clonus was overwhelmed with the amount of people coming in that they, you know, they didn't prepare for it. So um, it was just fantastic that, the, you know, the stand was full. And um, again, that year I was away in America and I, I was kind of only back. I'd missed the actual final in Crow Park. So I was, I was to be honest, just honoured to be playing that day. And um, I suppose I laugh now looking back because at the end of the final, I missed the, I missed the goal previously in that game and I was absolutely raging to myself like and this is it's so bad now when I look back like um I was sitting thinking the whole way you know at the end of the game I was like I can't believe I missed that and I was nearly embarrassed at the end of the game even though nobody even remembered like and everybody's just celebrating like but oh no that feeling at the end but you know when you're you're you were celebrating and you're hugging your whole family and they're all in the pitch and all it, it was it was it was a brilliant experience and I suppose a wee bit of a, a contrast, I suppose, to this year to kind of where there was absolutely no crowd at all. Like, so it was it was definitely a lovely experience to have. And how do you, uh, not only as a player, manage to keep your focus entirely on the game for the entire 60 minutes or for any player that's on the game, especially when you have supporters around, especially the roar of the crowd, and especially if a player is going through and goes, you could have that ability to clear defence, shoot, 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 or anything on the lines like that. And a, a player's mindset could be, uh, caught up in that moment they think I'm going to shoot and I'll score and the fans will go right next minute it could go miss so how do you as a player manage to keep that mindset for, and your focus entirely on the game especially even the, the, the fans you can call them the, yeah. this, the 16th the 16th player the 16th supporter as you want yeah, uh, yeah I, like sometimes it is difficult like you know and even even that year that we played in Crow Park that um it's hard to even hear yourself think sometimes that, you know, you're kind of constantly thinking, I suppose we've can well, I suppose a lot of teams would kind of go with that next ball mentality. Like, so you're, you're constantly thinking, okay, you know, whatever's just happened, just forget about it. Or, you know, if you make a mistake, forget about it. And just think of kind of all the positive things that you can do and can contribute to the team. So you're, I suppose like my kind of in my head, I'm just be like, I just need to get my hands on the ball, you know, help out any way I can. And, I think that kind of just keeps you focused. Obviously, I don't think now when you think of it, I don't even think I hear the crowd when you're coming up to coming up to the goals. Like I think you're just kind of so engrossed in kind of what you're doing and you're just kind of focusing on, I suppose, getting past defenders and things like that. Um, the only time I kind of feel like I ever really noticed them is if maybe you're doing a run up the field and up the sideline, you can kind of hear someone give you that kind of extra kind of shout to kind of keep you driving on. But um. But I have to say, like, it, it definitely helps, especially when you're down. You know, as soon as you see, you might get one score back, you know, to keep you driving that bit of motivation. But again, I don't think I, I focus on it too much. I think it's just kind of focusing on the next ball and you kind of what you can contribute and trying to stay present as much as possible. Absolutely. And then, and obviously, in 2019, you were announced that you were going to be the, the, the next person to lead for Manor, the next captain of, of Manor Lady. So I say that must have been a, a great achievement, a great honour for you to for you to have to follow in the footsteps as many for Manor captains has gone and passed in future to, future to come. What would you say the key attributes that a captain should have? Because I remember on one of the episodes of this podcast, I spoke to Moira O'Shotensee, the, the current Mead mm-hmm. Ladies captain, and she emphasised that she doesn't see her role captain uh, to herself, but she values every player on her t- on the team of Mead that every player is their own captain. They each have their own roles, that it's all about, uh, you know, uh, the team, that my, that my role, that her role might be different, but she values 
every player on the team. She values every player as equals as one. She knows just strengths, she knows their weaknesses and all of that. So do mm. you is that how you value your role as captain or do you, or did you take a different approach? No, yeah, definitely. I definitely agree with Marie. I think I think um without being disrespectful, because it, it obviously is a massive honor, but it, it is just a label at the end of the day. You know, it's it's not, I think, you know, obviously I suppose you're you're speaking and different things like that, but it's not about I suppose that big kind of coach card or hype up speech before a game to kind of get everybody riled up. Like it is kind of about you kind of leading by example and leading by your performance, you know, your actions, like how how do you want kind of to drive the team on? But like that, you you know, you're not going to do that on your own. You're going to need several players to kind of step up and do that with you as well. Like, so I think I definitely agree with Marie. Like, it's about kind of understanding your players and kind of knowing, I suppose, like I said, it's just creating that culture that everybody is valued and, you know, you're inclusive of everybody. And, making it comfortable that no matter if anybody has an issue, they're not like coming, you know, Joanne, I don't think we should know about that, that they're comfortable speaking out in the huddle or speaking out, you know, there and then that, you know, it's an open playing field and everybody's there to kind of contribute and better themselves to better the team. Like, so I think that's definitely something that we were kind of, kind of talk a lot about, like, and even our current captain, Courtney Murphy, like she's fantastic. Like, but like that, I think sometimes, we could be chatting for ages because there's a lot of players that are, you know, great leaders on the team. And that's what you need. You know, it's not just about one individual. Like, you know, everybody has their own way. You know, it might be exactly by talking. You know, it could be by playing. You know, they just have their own contribution to the team. So um, I suppose it's like Marie said, just kind of including the whole team and knowing everybody's role and knowing everybody is valued and their role is valued. Yeah. Absolutely, and obviously you captained the team to win the Ladies Football League title, uh, Division 4. How much of a big achievement was that, not only to Fermanagh, but to the group of players? Because everyone wants to be progressing up. They want to be competing with the likes of the Dublins, the, the Corks, the Fermanaghs, of and the Tipperaries, and some of the great teams that have, you know, carved away yeah. and a platform for Ladies Football, and that have probably put Ladies Football completely entirely on the map and we've seen over the years how the emphasis and the focus is before, before because we, before we discuss later later on in this you know on, on where 2020 was supposed to be the, the focus on you know promoting ladies football before COVID mm-hmm. yeah, obviously kicked in so how much of that was a big impact to, to win the, the division four title yeah definitely I think uh, like league is kind of funny because you know you're you're training away and you're I suppose even though it was division four you're playing against intermediate teams you know it's just whatever way it works out and because I suppose it's only one team up one team down it's it's actually very difficult to get out of and you're you know you're playing against teams that there's definitely like a more of a level playing field you know there's not necessarily you know you might have the one or two teams that just you know don't have a bad years but then the top three or four is you know very much you know tit for tat like and that everybody's kind of fighting for that kind of extra edge to try and get out and I suppose for us that year and I think we were just trying to drive on as best as possible and I think from my experience coming into the panel like in 2011 we from Anna was an intermediate team like and you know we were playing I suppose the likes of your armas and you know even we played Mayo and things like that you know that are now senior like you know that you'd be kind of looking like you know what why did we go so wrong and it's just kind of getting that work and getting that drive back into the girls and I suppose that's playing more more competitive football and 
I suppose giving the girls experience to kind of play under that extra pressure, like, you know, stronger teams. And that's what it was so important for us, I think, as a stepping stone, even intermediate again, uh, to get back up into the division, t- uh, division three, where, you know, even that you're playing even better, I suppose, intermediate players or intermediate teams. And like I said, try and push on as best as possible to kind of, I suppose, edge out that top. Like, so um, it's definitely, and like everybody can say, like your league is kind of usually not so much your trials. Like it's obviously still a massive thing, but, you know, a massive build up and a massive, I suppose, um, experience before going into your championship. And, you know, it's, it's that game experience that you need, like, and to get your game plan ready for championship. Absolutely. And before we just discussed of the seasons, the 2020 season, the DD or that from my number one, I'm going to take you back to go back, go back to phone and uh, the, the work and the help that the, the WGPA have done, done for you and helping, you know, that advice towards your player. What kind of resources do they offer you or what resources can they offer to, to other, to other, to other people that want to, you know, change their career before you, when you change your career yeah. from mechanical engineering to fitness? Yeah, definitely. So even in my final year of university, I kind of I was just kind of unsure of kind of what kind of area of work I wanted to go into, and the WGP were fantastic, even just for advertising the resources that they had available. So I I took part in a career counselling, um, which I found fantastic, um, to just kind of talk you through, you know, your skills and attributes because sometimes you do, you know, somebody asks you what you're what you're good at or you know, how personality they have. I actually, you know, was surprised at my results, you know, and now that I look back, it's actually very much a true reflection. And um, even the attributes, you know, they kind of said that I would be similar to, or maybe would be someone that maybe would be a good teacher or a coach. And now when I have changed back, you know, that was a few years ago, I kind of thought, you know, she was actually right. You know, I kind of laughed at her whenever she said it, but um it was fantastic and there's so much even the likes of my uh, personal training courses that I'm doing through St. Hanty College you know your financial help through that your scholarships in your in your university years you know for again financial help for you I suppose especially if you're playing inter-county football you know traveling up and down like you see so many girls doing and not getting a penny for it so all these wee things add up and there's just so much help now and so many resources that are all I suppose up on the WGPA website like but even the likes of you know 24-hour support or you know there's a lot more emphasis on mental health as well and there's like mindset webinars you know there's constantly things kind of happening all the time so it's definitely a great resource and we're very grateful to have it. Absolutely and then before and all that obviously you went to Australia you played with the with the AFLW how much of an experience how did you find that experience in a way? But what what sparked your interest that you to go out to Australia and try to, uh, to uh, that you wanted to go and play the AFLW because you were playing with play, uh, players from different yeah. diff- different states from Canada and all around? Yeah, I think um, I think it was just actually the first year I seen girls and I seen the cross coders had just kind of started advertising about. Uh, likes of Ash Mack and all them girls that had went actually travel over to Australia and then you seen like Ash, Elis Constein and Yvonne Bonner getting signed up that year and it kind of sparked my interest I was like that's geez, that's brilliant you know uh, and kind of figured Jesus how, how they look about doing something like that and I suppose it was just never on our radar because I suppose it was there was never the opportunity to do it like so once it came about and I think you know I was um, it was actually 2019 the year I got captain as well that I was just kind of intrigued and I seen that the cross coders were holding a camp actually one of our free weekends so 
I kind of chatted to my once and kind of said, was it, you know, should I go or should I not? And I was him in hand, to be honest, because, you know, a few of the ones that I had got signed already beforehand, you know, to be honest, most of them were like senior ladies, you know, and not that there's, I suppose, massive differences, but you, or you want to put yourself down or anything, but I was kind of thinking, what's the point? You know, obviously it's kind of big names or big players kind of getting picked, like, but I actually went and again, I arrived at the cross quarters camp down that loan and, you know, there was girls from Croatia, Canada, like, and I had never kicked the ball before and they were saying, yeah, they had playing competitions and all. And I was like, oh my God, what have I got myself in for, you know? But then, you know, there was a load of different fitness tests and, and things like that, that, you know, our Gaelic training had had so much like to kind of make us physically fit for it. And then it was just a matter, I suppose, of doing skills tests and kind of playing a wee bit of game. But again, it was just kind of throwing yourself in into it and, uh, all the kind of data was recorded and the videos and all was sent across the Australia to all the teams and I talked to Carlton just like briefly on the phone that weekend and didn't really hear much more about it like and it kind of was focusing more on county again when the uh, championship had started and then there was the opportunity to kind of go back out but um, I think just I suppose when it kind of got to that stage and when I had been in contact with Carlton it was just getting really exciting to I suppose think that you could be playing football or playing any sport professionally yeah so it was exciting absolutely and you did appear for the games uh richmond were you kind of you know amazed or surprised in terms of the media coverage over over there over there in australia because it was a big media frenzy over there because even though it was a first round it was completely different to what we have yeah. back, to, to back here in ireland yeah oh god yeah like the first round you'd nearly think it was like the all-ireland final here like i was like why is there such a big emphasis on you know the game that more than likely mightn't even affect the rest of the season but i think it's just i suppose a celebration that you know the the year's going ahead and it's just fantastic like you know they do make it into such a big deal and i think there's definitely a lot more of a equal approach now don't get me wrong there's still a massive gap in australia between men and women but with regards to supporters, you know, it doesn't matter if you support the Carlton Club, you're going to support the women just as much as the men, you know, and don't get me wrong, there is difference. There's still a, a long way to go, like, but um, it's just brilliant to see, like, families of people, you know, young boys and girls, you know, it's not just girls going out to see the fans and there's just a massive emphasis and it's just, it's just really exciting and it was just, it was amazing to kind of get involved in that, like, yeah. And how did you manage to, to balance the setup over there? Because uh, the the AFLW, it is it is a very physical game compared mm-hmm. to ladies game football. So how did you manage to adjust to adjust to that from coming, you know, playing a sport back home in Ireland where there's very little uh, contact allowed to come into uh, going to Australia and playing a different entirely sport that's probably out of your comfort zone that is completely physical yeah. altogether. Yeah, I think uh, it was definitely, I suppose in my head, I kind of thought it was going to be a lot rougher than it was. I think when you're actually playing, you don't notice it or maybe, well, you, you know, it still hurts a lot, like, but it's not as bad as you can talk. Maybe it's just the adrenaline rushing. But uh, I think even the tactical wise, you know, I suppose if somebody's run that in game, like you're kind of totally get up on your toes. So you're not going to toss over and you're able to run with them. But I think in, in Australian rules, you know, it's kind of, you see the ball you go to the ball you just have to try and stop that girl and the ball as much as possible so even we think that that was was hard to get used to you know we're not kind of waiting on them to come running that you like so 
Um, it was definitely a lot more physical, but I, I think to be honest, I'm probably a wee bit too physical in Gaelic. So I actually really enjoyed that side of it. Like, so uh, it probably suited me that wee bit better, but uh, no, it's definitely, it's, it's definitely enjoyable and it's probably nice to have a wee bit more physical aspect into it. Like, Absolutely. And then obviously there was the uh, lull, then, then COVID kicked in, then the, the, the series of chain of events that, what unfolded and we didn't probably couldn't compromise of what was actually going to happen and how serious it was. Obviously, you had to come back home to Ireland. There was this uh, probably lull of a, a lull of a break with Gaelic games back back home of whether we would see a year of of whether 2020 would would see any sport. Were you thinking at that stage when you came back home that we that there might have been any sort of form of Gaelic games at all going to happen? Yeah, to be honest, like, and I didn't probably want to admit it whenever I came home, but the way the year was going and the way the numbers were, um, I think it was that wee bit kind of worrying that you were kind of like, God, you know, I don't think there's there's any way I will get football at all. Like, And then they come out to, you know, I actually think it worked out very well that you had, you know, your club season and you just solely had club. You know, you weren't torn between the two, which was really enjoyable. Um, but, um, and then to actually have a county season, and I know, I suppose it was, deemed elite you know so there was a lot of people that couldn't and maybe a lot of people frustrated as well that we were able to play but um yeah it was definitely just a strange year but Jesus like only fourth you know it would have been a lot of kind of you know worried heads and kind of you know what are we going to do now and I suppose I think it's definitely I think now we're definitely all experiencing how you know it's hard to get motivated you know every day to do something and train away you know when you're working from home and doing things like that that you know um, it was just nice to be able to like, get out and play with your teammates then like and please God will will experience it this year like absolutely and we know the, the, the way the season went obviously with club going back first you've won trust three, three county titles in a row with is it with Kinnegar so how much of that of, of achievement was that not only to win three 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 titles in a row with your club but it club is is the foundation it's the physical it's where you st- it's where your career you know started with it's where yeah. you you went to school with your friends for life and anything but and on a bigger aspect how much of an influence had your club uh, had uh, in your career in in total and how much do you value your club oh god yeah like i think and i think i spoke about it earlier too i can only be at a very good setup growing up and you know especially our our lady side of it you know it was always kind of I suppose treated equally in that and there was a lot of good managers and a lot of good people that like volunteered their time to kind of coach us from a very good age and we had you know really good skills coming into senior panel like and um, I think that kind of set us up for that kind of I suppose like determination to kind of you know we we'd been used to kind of winning at underage and then when we got into senior you know we kind of realized you know we're not one of the big teams anymore and I think now when you see the kind of underage coming up through and we're kind of trying to push on and keep keep pushing on when we are winning Fermanagh like which was a massive achievement to us like and you know I think like you said you're you're growing up playing with these girls and Whenever I had went out to senior, you know, you're playing with some girls that had never, and you know, they were tired now that have never won a medal. And the first year we won, and you know, they were hugging you after crying, and it nearly meant more to them that we were actually starting winning at seniors. You know, so it's definitely a massive, massive honor. And like you said, I don't think there's a feeling like winning with your club. You know, winning with girls that you play with your whole life, and 
you know that I suppose love your club as much as you do like so it definitely you know there's no feeling like it but yeah like like without a doubt like if I didn't have a good setup and a, a good club like you know like it would be very hard to kind of I suppose push on and push myself on even for county and then I suppose even for to get the recognition for going out to Australia like so um you know I'm definitely fortunate in that side of things. Absolutely. And I think there's so much that your club has, you know, done for you and has done down through the years. And I think players like yourself have been very fortunate, you know, to be in such an involved in a great setup, such, you know, very strong at underage, strong at adult level and going paving that platform going on to the, into the county with Fermanagh. Obviously, there was, you know, this bit of, you know, kind of real a lull between, you know, conflict with different managers before Johnny came in. What has Johnny done now to the Fermanagh ladies? What has he brought into uh, the team? Is there anything he has done differently? Is there any key area that he's worked on, on which he that mightn't be done in the past, a key area that, that needed that bit of re- tweaking improvement, yeah. which you can see improving? Yeah, I think I think the big thing with Johnny was I suppose that level of professionalism. You know, I think you know for years women's have been crying out for that kind of, you know, we want the same as the men kind of mentality. You know, but a lot of time without being disrespectful, you know, you get people and to be honest, just because it's actually very hard to get managers that you get people that are just kind of wanting to help out and don't want to actually see you stuck. But you know, they're not probably or having the kind of coaching kind of qualifications to kind of drive you on and know what to do to kind of make a, a I suppose, a running a county because, you know, it's a massive step up from managing a club team to managing a county team. Like, so I think Johnny, I suppose, with his background and, uh, you know, we had time over with teams in England and even with soccer teams in England, I think Man City and things like that, that he has that experience that it just kind of brought a new kind of, level of respect and I suppose kind of put a wee bit of pride back into the jersey you know it was it wasn't anymore a matter of kind of turning up to to say you're playing for county you know you had to go to trials and you'd earn your place you know for a lot of years it was just a you know asking people to come out but um it was brilliant everybody had a trial and you know you had to kind of work to get your place on the team and then from there you know it wasn't a matter of or uh, he's from my club so because he was an outsider it was even better he didn't know anyone it was just like a complete clean uh, slate and he just kind of demanded that respect from the start and you know built this kind of belief and this culture that you know it's, it's all about leaving I suppose a legacy like in that you know in a few years time there's going to be a lot of us that mightn't be still playing and it's like what what do you want to leave behind like do you want the the girls coming through to think that they don't have to work for anything or do you want to kind of show and put hard work and kind of show what what is required and what's needed to kind of push on like so um I think that's definitely brilliant to see and I think from my point of view too I think I'm very passionate about it because I know the kind of talent that is in Fermanagh and I suppose when like I said when I read started we were an intermediate team and it kind of pained me a bit that we were back down in junior and we just kind of wanted to get back out and like I said the difference between us and the teams that we were playing years ago was a mixture between you know a lot of hard work from the players don't get me wrong but also good management driving that so um, I think now that we finally have it, um, I think we're just happy to keep pushing on and kind of create this kind of culture and, as well as I said, legacy to kind of keep driving and keep pushing the standard of Manifopolop, yeah. 
absolutely. And we talk about, and I mentioned there earlier that 2020, the year for was promoting women, promoting ladies football, more emphasis on more match reports, more live TV coverage, more supporters at games. Obviously, with COVID, we couldn't have any fans, but I think the positive and probably praise which many people have given was the actual live streaming of, of matches, not only mm-hmm. on, on Facebook and everything, but also on TGCast. So that must have been a very positive attribute that they are promoting uh, ladies football that the ladies are getting the the equal amount of justice or what they should be getting like the emphasis has been focused on you know the 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 men's football men's hurling while the the ladies seem to be taking you know the uh the the backbone and not all of the coverage has been on them so that must have been a great positive thing to see yeah, hundred percent. I actually, you know, I think probably only for COVID, you know, a lot of them games wouldn't have been live streamed. You know, only unless you wanted to get the the game videoed yourself for video analysis. So, it's definitely a massive positive. And like, I think even the likes of Facebook and stuff, there's a lot more people even wishing make it luck and things like that that you would never have heard of before. But because they've seen it on Facebook, they've tuned in. And I suppose with COVID, there wasn't a lot else going on, and I kind of brought a lot more people into it which was it was just fantastic and like you said it's just trying to raise that awareness I don't think usually you know we talk about equality but a lot of the people most of the time don't even know the things are on to go support even if they wanted to so it's just bringing about that kind of I suppose publicity and kind of like you said giving the girls recognition for the hard work because like like you said, you know, anyone that has brothers or boyfriends or anything that you know play on the the male, male teams like will know that you know you put in the same amount of hard work and time and commitment like you know you're still sacrificing most of your evenings to do something to make you better for the team like so just because I suppose you're male or female it shouldn't make a difference like so it's good that it's definitely going in the right direction. Absolutely and was it kind of different when you especially going out going out uh, in the middle of COVID the middle of a pandemic with no with no supporters so was that kind of you know a bit of a a complete different bit of an, an experience for you yeah yeah definitely was like like we have actually been very fortunate even if it is just the likes of parents and stuff that travels you know good journeys to watch us uh, you always have that bit of encouragement in the sideline um but it was it was definitely a lot quieter but I suppose I suppose even within, with Fermanagh, you know, we were kind of saying, you know, it's kind of on us to kind of celebrate the wee wins on the field now. You know, if there's a turnover, there's no crowd there to kind of, you know, cheer you on. So it's kind of us on the field to kind of, you know, pat each other on the back and say, well done, you know, to keep that kind of momentum going. But um, it definitely something we'll be a lot more grateful for this year. And I think a lot more people will be grateful to get out and watch football that there'll be, be packed crowds now when we go back, I'd say. <laughs> Absolutely, and obviously the, the All Ireland final this year was somehow surprisingly in Parnell Park. Obviously, the pitch was in, uh, you know, great, great condition. I say it must have been a bit of a surprise, probably so, probably for some players that mightn't have, you know, got you know, gotten the opportunity ever to play in Quarter Park and on an All Ireland final. So that must have been a different experience playing in Parnell. Yeah, definitely. I, I think it is unfortunate, like you said, for the for the players that hadn't got that experience of playing in Croke Park. Um, to be honest, it probably did suit us better, you know, and there wasn't, I suppose, even with the no crowd, there was no massive hype. And, you know, 
I suppose mentality wise it, it just kind of kept us right that you know it is just another game and we just have to kind of focus on the the job at hand but uh, like you said the whole I suppose like the All-Ireland is you know the journey and how you got there and I suppose that's your reward at the end that you know it's a lot of people's dreams to play in Crow Park and with all the girls well hopefully you know it won't be the last time we'll be there but um like you're you're kind of conscious you're like Jesus you know you don't make them too often like so it's unfortunate that the girls didn't get to play there but but look like it's I suppose minor details at this stage now so hopefully we can just get back there and give the girls experiences there absolutely and you got off to probably one a flying start there and about to go <laughs> straight away from 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 Detroit <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think, uh, you know, well, if anybody's seen Jerome Quinn's video, you know, we had a kind of throw-in routine, like, but it didn't go to, to normal plan, and I think, which is a credit to the girls, how adaptable they were, you know, it's not just, oh, well, that didn't work, we'll try again, next throw-in or whatever, um, so the girls just followed the ball in, and Roshi McDonald got a, got a hand in it at the end of it, and it was just fantastic, yeah, so it was a brilliant kind of settler to the game, and I think we definitely needed it when you've seen how tight it was, like, so. Absolutely, and then obviously getting over, getting over uh, the the line there at the end was it your keeper made a latch ditch saving goal line save yeah. to uh, to win the match. But how much of that was a relief to you to get over the line after the previous year having gone through the agony and the, the despair of losing the previous uh, All Ireland final? Where not only as a team but as a unit collective, where did you find that momentum, that mentality to go? to go again and go out and and win this all Ireland. Yeah, I think uh, well obviously I suppose the experience of losing that does you know it does play in your mind and you know you can either use it to kind of drive you on or kind of to give you a bit of a shake up before the game. Like but I think it was just probably that disappointment that we we knew we weren't going to come out and I suppose not torn up and like you know I think actually Wicklow would have been probably favourites after you know we had played them earlier in that season and the They'd beat as well that, you know, I'd say they were kind of thinking maybe because it was such a short season, we couldn't have improved too much, you know, that kind of way. So for us, it was kind of coming in as that kind of underdogs and kind of we knew what process we had to do and stick to. And I think it was just a matter of kind of gelling well together. Like even if you watch the game, like there was no individual it was everybody just literally giving a, a real honest effort and really trying the hardest to kind of do what they can and you know there was plenty of mistakes and you know there was plenty of things that did go wrong but it was that kind of mentality that kind of like you know well we're not going to let that stop us you know and you could see just that encouragement and everybody just kind of pushing each other on and staying positive with each other on the field and I suppose that kind of last kick of the game and Everybody was behind the ball and there was just near a set of, like, you know, you could have easily panicked and, you know, Smurfy could have easily panicked on the line and you can just see that kind of timer in the background kind of going down and down and down and it was just kind of, it was surreal, but it was uh, it was just fantastic to kind of get over the line that day, like, and we were just kind of really proud of the real good team performance, yeah. Absolutely, and I think there's one thing that I've, I read about and you were described as uh, uh, such a renowned, dedicated player with probably an, an eye for and a score and everything in your free kick routine how would you what would you take me through your free kick routine and, and describe how and ever uh what your training sessions would be like or how you you practice your taking your free kick routine on, on and also what key attributes would you say that a free kick taker should have as well yeah i think well i suppose 
well, what my kind of and how I suppose I kind of became a free taker with club that kind of put my focus into it a lot more. That I think it, it, it generally is just practice, but practice in the I suppose and taking note of kind of your routine. Like, so it, you know, there is going to be a routine that works for you, you can't just kind of wing it each time well don't get me wrong you probably could but it mightn't work you know all the time you want something that you're kind of sure about and I think that can even we 10 minutes before training or 10 minutes after training you know it doesn't have to be like hours endless like but even just kind of carrying the ball getting you know the feel for the ball and I suppose the only one thing I would say about free kicks is that you know usually you get a free kick after like a you know a hard tackle and you know if it's on you you could be exhausted and it's very easy to kind of I suppose just kick it or you know don't think about it but I think for me it's kind of just getting back I suppose I like I nearly talk to myself and get myself like three deep breaths you know I kind of calm myself down kind of get my breath back and I kind of focus kind of on the black uh, black spot you know you're thinking of hitting over it so um just kind of turning my shoulders towards the ball and kind of having that landing foot like pointing towards where you wanted to go like go and again, it, it just takes it takes practice, like to figure out what kind of works for you. Like, but um, I kind of feel like my kind of we run up is more like as in I'm not static. Like sometimes I think I shoot better when I'm on the run as opposed to just static. So it depends. It, it, it again, it's just taking breaking each step down. You know, like how how can I improve that? What worked well that time? If I didn't score, what did I do differently? You know, we things like that. The questions to ask yourself when you're practicing, like and. And again, like free kicks can be from anywhere in the field. So not trying from just the same spot or, you know, just, you know, maybe like 10, kick 10 balls out and wherever the balls land, try and take a free kick from there, you know, and I suppose finding your range and knowing your range, you know, if your range, you know, is only 25 metres out, if the free kick is 30, you know, why would you try and attempt that to put that over? Like know your range and just kind of hit a short one or whatever it may be like so. Again, it's just it's just playing on what you know and just kind of get to know your your game a lot better, like so. Yeah. Absolutely, fully uh, fully agree. And I think th- there's one thing that which I've seen not only around, but there's been a very emphasis on you know on player on player fitness, a, a training's f- uh, fitness drills and all of this. How much do you take for player fitness into it? Do you see it as a big impact? But but at, but then when you look at it at the other side, you could have all the fitness in the world, but you mightn't have the the, the fundamental skills such as the catching, uh, mm-hmm. the kick kicking, the shooting. Like a lot of the emphasis has been mainly on player fitness, getting your players fit, and you're and you're forgetting the key small ingredients like the, the fun, as I mentioned, the fundamental skills of the game. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I think I think there's a lot of teams that have kind of come back to like back to basics as such, and like you said, them. Um, them fundamental drills like and like you say you know and I'd say if you have experience coaching like it doesn't have to be very extravagant drills you know you don't have to do these real complicated drills that are you know actually more confusing than anything else you know it could be a simple hand pass drill but doing it at like like I think Jim McGuinness was renowned and laughed at for doing like I think just a hand passing drill but like if you're doing that at 100% what you would do in a game you know why you know why are we kind of focusing so much on the fitness you know if you're doing that 100% the fitness will come as well and don't get me wrong you know you need to do a bit of conditioning for even for the mindset you know that decision making if you're fitter you're not going to be as tired you're going to be thinking a lot clearer than you are if you're if you're wrecked you know so um it's I do think there is a good balance between it but yeah I definitely think going back to skills and practicing skills and that's probably one thing I it did kind of stand out for me in Australia that 
you know, at the start of every training, there's at least 20 minutes of like basic, basic hand passing. Like you're just in pairs, you're passing, you might go overhead on the ground, like ground balls, they call it. You might do wee tackles and trees. Like it's, then you break out to kicking. Like that's before every single training. So like, if that's for, you know, AFL, it's nothing, you know, it's nothing that we can't do over here. You know, it's nothing that, oh, that's too professional. Like it's literally just doing your basics every at the start of every training like and I definitely think it would just help even with your handling and things like that like so um you can have a team of athletes like you said that can run all day but like until you kind of get the the basics right or the fundamentals right it's very hard to kind of win a game absolutely and what what sort of advice would you give to you know you know probably not only current players but future players uh, as well that want to make the not only this the, the step up to the county but also at club level that they might have the you know the, like as you, we mentioned there the, the mindset the game are you do you develop the skills yourself or are you naturally uh, gifted gifted what advice would you give to you know to players yeah I think yeah definitely like practice like I think a lot of people see maybe successful people and think they're just born with it like they don't kind of see that the hard work that that person's put behind the scenes like you know and you see it all the time like I've mentioned you know players that were I suppose not when they were growing up and just have true hard work and literary dedication to what they want to do and have become you know all-stars you know we see it all the time like so it's definitely something that I think, you know, if you really want to get good at it, you know, have a ball in your hand, like just be soloing left foot, right foot, you know, don't kind of limit yourself to just one side. I would definitely think about, and there's a big emphasis, you know, and not having a weaker foot and stuff, but definitely utilizing, you know, all the skills that you can target practice and you can just, and we think that that just build up your confidence, but even the likes of watching football, you know, get to understand gameplays. If you find that yourself, you know, you're getting confused at what the management mean when they mean something, you know, ask questions or, you know, get your, you know, people talk about like having a football brain, but I think it's one of the most like underrated skills you can have. Like there's nothing better than playing with someone that can read the game and that can play really well, like as opposed to someone that's, you know, told to go out and do a job and kind of, you know, if they're left to their own, they don't really know what to do in the game with it, you know, so... I think uh, definitely get to know the game and get to know the tactics behind the game and why you would do certain things. And don't be afraid to ask why. Don't be like, actually, you know, yeah, okay, I'm going to do that. But I, I don't really know why I'm doing that. You know, ask the question, you know, why are we doing this? I don't really understand it. And then that'll help it stick to you a wee bit better. So, you know, it's kind of, like, especially for forward, like if you kind of have that kind of, you're one step ahead of your defender the whole time. Like, so if you kind of have that kind of game mentality that you know and you can read the plays coming in, it's going to make you a better footballer. And as well, you know, pair that with you practising your skills all the time. It's going to come, like, so it's definitely be great. Absolutely. You mentioned that it's all about the basics and how you can improve. Like you mentioned there that, you know, not everybody would ha- would, ha- would be born naturally gifted, but as long as you keep going, like, if for example, if you look at the, the Dublin you know, senior f- football team, look at Brian mm-hmm. Fenton. He hadn't yeah. made a team until under 21 level and look at him now, six, seven All-Ireland medals, a two-time, all, two-time footballer of the, of, of the year just goes to show that if you have yeah. the perfect mindset and you believe in yourself that you can you can uh, achieve anything you, you want in life, what would you say has been the best advice that you have gotten as a player? What's the best advice that stuck to you? Uh, yeah, well, I definitely think as he got older, I think that definitely, you know, 
honestly, like a, a definitely a big believer, regardless in career, in school, in football, in sport, whatever it is. If you genuinely put your mind to it, like you can achieve it. Like if you're not the smartest person, I still believe if you genuinely work hard enough, you could become a doctor. You know what I mean? It's generally what you put your mind to. And I think what, and I suppose like you saying again, it is cliche, but it's not cliche if you actually live by it, you know? So I think that kind of, you know, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't want to work hard is probably one of the biggest things that I've kind of learned like that, you know what, it doesn't matter. And just because you've got it easy, like all through your youth, and it's probably something that I kind of suffer with to start, you know, whenever I couldn't deal with kind of losing that and kind of didn't realize, you know what, well, if I don't want to lose anymore, I'm going to have to work a wee bit harder, you know. So it's definitely something that's kind of played in my mind that, you know what, if you don't like something, change it, you know, and if if it is something that you want to do, pursue it, like, and give it everything, but, you know, don't go half-heartedly at it, you know, so if you commit to something, just go 100% at it, and you'll you'll definitely get the rewards if you do do that, like. Absolutely. I want to take you back there to your role as captain just briefly. What would uh, Joanne pre-match or post-match captain speech speech consist of? <laughs> what, what would be your pre-routine speech to the players? Would it be a case that, oh, uh, Joanne speaking, we won't listen We won't listen to jo- 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 Joanne today. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, probably. They'd probably be sick listening to me at that stage to come to match. They're probably just happy, not be, happy enough to get away from it. But I know it, it's it's nothing too spectacular. Like it, it would just be kind of reminding everybody of the role. And I think kind of main thing in the speech, especially just because it's like just before you go for that kind of trope whistle, is just kind of, I suppose, get your breath and get everybody kind of back level down and that. You know, we don't have to go in freaking all jittery and all get kind of, you know, sometimes I think when you get real raved up for a game, it actually makes you worse. You know, you get more nervous and you can be like, God, you know, this is a big game if we're getting real psyched up. And it's just about bringing everybody back down, you know, get your breath a wee bit and kind of just like kind of reiterating our roles and kind of reiterating the, the, I suppose, the value of the time that we have. You know, it is only half an hour and then you kind of come in and regroup again. Like, so, yeah, it's never, never anything too spectacular there. Absolutely. And I think this this going to bring me to my next bit before we finish up is obviously the is the player awards this weekend. You alongside your, your, yourself, alongside your fellow player, County player Emma Smith, uh, Wicklow's Maeve Dini are all up for nomination of the Junior Players Player of the Year. Do you remember the moment when you found out you actually got nominated for the for the Players Junior Players Player Year of the Award? Um, yeah, I actually it was a minute mean, only last week. Like, and it was just a, an Instagram notification that I, I was tagged in from the LGFA that you know they'd put up their nominees or whatever. Like, and I seen a few people had written me well done, and I was kind of Jesus, I didn't kind of expect that, or I kind of well maybe I just kind of didn't even think about it too much. I kind of forgot that they might have been on this year. Like, but um, oh, look, like again, it's kind of something similar. It's not really something that you you go out to to go to win like but look it's obviously really nice to get the recognition uh for the your commitment and stuff so um no look it's 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 nice to get it yeah it's nice to get nominated so yeah absolutely and who would you say had would ha- had the biggest influence in your playing career would it be your coaches or would it be your parents um yeah definitely i think i suppose my family has kind of been all involved in ga and definitely i think i suppose I'm very grateful of my coaches growing up that of how well they have coached me and I suppose made it that way a bit more enjoyable that that I did stick it out you know through years that you know maybe a lot of other players didn't so um definitely not and I, I would have to say even uh, my boyfriend James he's very 
he's very driven and I kind of see the hard work and dedication that he puts into his football and it kind of inspires me to kind of work that wee bit harder and push myself that wee bit harder. So um, it, is, it is definitely um, kind of just kind of suppose the environment and the people that I'm surrounded by are just very encouraging and um, just kind of want the best out of you, like, which is really good. Absolutely. And is there any player, either past, you know, present that you always looked up to like I could give a list of you know some of the the key notable players that have played the game that are just so prolific you know the likes of you know Breed Stack, Breed Corkery obviously the great chorus Staunton you know a role model for ladies football she put ladies football on on the map and players young aspiring players want you want to follow on a a first trip for all islands uh, a record joint hold holder of 11 all-stars alongside mary jane curran of 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 carry of of carry like there are just some of the players that have been you know you've been blessed you know to see in the farm so was there any player in particular that you always looked up to that you wanted to follow in their footsteps yeah definitely probably more more local girls and anything else probably because we wouldn't have seen more like and I think what I kind of nearly jealous of some younger girls I know we used to look up to you know male role models and I'm like when I think in my head you know and thinking likes of Peter Ganovan and things like that that you would have looked up to when you were younger because you would never have really seen the ladies football on TV like which is daily that is changing and you know there is more role models in the limelight like so but yeah any that then that Cork team I just remember I do remember watching them and just being in absolute awe of their teamwork and how they played like the likes of Valerie Malhaki and um, Breed Stack and all that year Jesus them years they were playing it was just absolutely fantastic but even you know within own, my own county like you had like you know Ashley Woods Marina McDonald's all them girls that you know you kind of come in and played against I'm kind of nearly kind of scared the crap out of you at the start, like, but um, but they you know it's fantastic. Like, they just kind of showed you the hard work and like Satara, little, you know, like the most probably determined person I've ever met, you know, and just you kind of seen what it meant to them, like. So, um, it definitely it was nice to kind of experience that from a young age, like. Absolutely, and I think we're going to before we finish up on that note. I'm just going to do a simple, quick fire round uh, okay. uh, questions there, just against the clock. A quick minute on the clock, and you can answer as many questions as you want. So the first question is: okay. Who has who is your toughest opponent that you've marked? Oh, probably Tara Little's that old girl I talked about. Daphne, a club. She's probably my hardest ever. <laughs> She's stuck to me. Uh, if you could win uh, another. An all island, either with your club or county. What what, what would it be and why? Oh God, um, it would be like which club or county? Which would I rather? And which would you rather if if you oh. were given the opportunity to win either and one more all island with either your club or county? Oh, I would have to say club. I don't know. There is something about winning with your club mates, like, but uh. And um, probably just that fact that, you know, you grew up with them girls. Yeah, definitely. I'd probably love to win a, an all learning club. It'd be class. Chip or a Chinese? Oh, Chinese. <laughs> oh, great, great, great answer. Uh, if, if you could play a, a role in a film, what would it be and why? Oh, well, this is interesting. It would have to be a comedy. Can I say a cartoon? Can I say something like Shrek? <laughs> yeah. I think I like the star of that. <laughs> Your autobiography comes out. What is the, the title of it? Oh, Jesus. 
I'd have to make it interesting because I don't think my life would be overly interesting for them to actually read it. Um, God, that's a good. Jesus, these are tricky. Would you go with something original? It's just like, oh God, that, that God, these are hard, Johnny. I don't know what I would be saying. Um, oh, like me, myself, and I. Would you go with that way, classic? Yeah. <laughs> And I think Bobby, I'll give you one final one. I don't I don't want okay. to leave them too tricky. If you could replay one match all over again, what, what match would it be? Oh. oh god, that's a tricky one. Probably probably the past on Ireland for it being really good. If it was a game that I'd lost that I'd love to replay a game, would probably be the Ulster Club against Emma Dog with Knolly. Definitely love to replay that game again, but um but hopefully with a better outcome. <laughs> Absolutely, Joanne. And I think on that note, I'm going to bring the final whistle here to an end. I have absolutely enjoyed this and I absolutely value and appreciate the time, uh, the effort and the commitment that you have, that you've given up to, to speak with me. It's been an absolute pleasure, Joanne. And I wish you the very best of luck, uh, oh. obviously with the Players Player of the Year award, but also, but also for the future. And obviously, hopefully that this year we might get to see some Gaelic games back again and hopefully yeah. that we'll have fans back in the stadium. Yeah, thank you so much, Johnny. I appreciate it. Thank you. Cheers, mate. You're very welcome. Bye. Bye now.